I'm Rev David. Thanks for joining me as I wander through life. This week, I'm embarking on a series of four talks about what is being called the Methodist way of life. Put simply, it is a rhythm for responding to God's love in Jesus. It provides commitments and practices that refocus our faith. It deepens our discipleship and spirituality. There are four main areas of commitment. Worship, learning and caring, service and evangelism. And this week I'm focusing on worship, which has within it three more commitments. To pray daily, to worship regularly with others and to look and listen for God in scripture and in the world. And today I'm specifically focusing on worshipping with others regularly. What we might simply describe as going to church on a Sunday. But what is worship? What do we mean when we use this word? When we gather for worship, then we're gathering to celebrate our faith in God. And we do this in two ways through adoration and praise and thanksgiving, and through seeking to be transformed by God's grace and power. Or in other words, we come to church to be changed. And that's the most important thing I've got to say today. We come to church to be changed. So if you like, you can switch off now. There are lots of different examples of worship in the Bible and today I'm going to be very briefly sharing four of them with you. The first is a few lines from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. It's the beginning of chapter 6 and Isaiah is speaking, describing what he has seen. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on his throne, high and exalted, and his robe filled the whole temple. Around him, flaming creatures were standing, each of which had six wings. Each creature covered its face with two wings, and its body with two, and used the other two for flying. They were calling out to each other, Holy, 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 the Lord Almighty is holy. His glory fills the world. The sound of their voices made the foundation of the temple shake, and the temple itself became filled with smoke. I was brought up in the Roman Catholic Church, and the main service on a Sunday morning was a grand affair, with candles lit, incense burning, bells ringing and the priest dressed in the finest vestments. And even with all of that, it was rather small compared with this vision from Isaiah. But you get the picture. This is worship that celebrates the fact that God is big and powerful and mighty. As children, every Sunday we were dressed in our Sunday best for church, for God, in recognition of just how great God was. Everything was done so as to acknowledge this and to heap glory onto him. 
And even today, that hymn, Holy, 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 Only God is Three Times Holy. Much later on in our Bible, after Jesus' life and death and resurrection, Paul the Apostle wrote many letters to the early churches, encouraging and instructing them in worship. This next text is part of what he wrote to the church in Colossae. The peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions you make. For it is to this peace that God has called you together in the one body. And be thankful. Christ's message in all its richness must live in your hearts. Teach and instruct one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns and sacred songs. Sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. Everything you do or say then should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus as you give thanks through him to God the Father. The emphasis here is on worship being collaborative, an interactive affair. Teach and instruct one another, sing and give thanks. This is in contrast to the previous example, which might have seemed more like a performance. I remember the first time I ever went to a Methodist church on a Sunday morning and the preacher asked a question of the congregation. And it wasn't a rhetorical question. He wanted, he expected an answer. And the people started to speak up. And a conversation ensued. Worship moved from being a monologue to a dialogue. What Paul is saying here to the early church is that when you come together, then you are acknowledging that God is alive and that Jesus' message needs to live in your hearts. The next text is from another of Paul's letters, this time to the church in Corinth. And he's describing what we now refer to as the sacrament of Holy Communion, or the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord the teaching that I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a piece of bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is God's new covenant, sealed with my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in memory of me. So this is another aspect of worship. Gathered around a table, breaking bread and sharing wine. This is all about us and God being in a relationship together, the covenant, where God tells us, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. The very first time that I led a communion service as a minister was in a small rural chapel where the congregation was made up of farmers and their families. There were only about 10 of us and we were all able to stand around the communion table together and share in bread and wine. And my abiding memory is of their hands as they put them out to receive the bread. They were big 
and rough, hands that laboured on the land. A couple of weeks later, I led my second communion service in a different church, where most of the people worked or had worked at AstraZeneca, which was the big employer in the town, and their hands were smaller and smoother. Different hands, but all gathered around God's table, and all in relationship with God and with one another. The final text is from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And here a new emphasis is offered. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. Paul doesn't ask the people to kill animals and burn incense as sacrifices to show how much they adore God. Instead, he asks them to do something much more difficult, to worship God through the way that you live your life. God isn't just something that we do in church. You can't keep God in a box. Being a Methodist or any kind of Christian is a way of life. Let me end where I began, back as a child in church. And at the end of Mass, the priest would say to everyone, The Mass is ended. And we would all respond, Let's go to love and serve the Lord. So here's the challenge. When you next go to church, try to open your heart to God, to acknowledge how big and great God is, to say thank you for all the ways in which God blesses our lives and to receive God's word on how we might be transformed. And in the meantime, worship God each and every day in all you say and do. That's it for now. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.